Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. And uh, thank you, brother. And uh, we, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. And, uh, but God led us and we birthed Harvest Time Church and, and uh, 34 years later, it's better than ever. Uh, thank God for Pastor Noe and Miss Becky and all of our staff that make it happen here day by day by day by day. And uh, I just, uh, uh, we have about 20 of our folks that are at a, uh, a marriage encounter this weekend up in Round Top, and so we're missing Pastor Becky and, and uh, uh, Pastor Noe, and then, gosh, a, a good many more of our, of our key people, our key leaders, and, but you're stuck with me today, so it's going to be all right. We're going to have a great time in the midst of all that, amen? So uh, we're going to uh, try to get through this today, and uh, as always, I try to take, uh, are we loaded up, girls and boys, back there? Because I am so unfamiliar with, uh, with uh, how we work this, I'm always used to loading my own PowerPoints and, and instrumenting all of that so that I know exactly what's going on. And here we have such a wonderful bunch of folks that are working in the sound booth. I usually am in a state of confusion, but uh, they're doing a wonderful job and we appreciate it. I want to talk to you this morning about something that uh, I believe will be relevant to you as we go through it. They started early in the week asking me, well, Pastor Jim, what's a What's your, what's your sermon title? So they want to put it in the bulletin. You know, and I just have to tell Pastor Noah, I don't operate like you, you know. Uh, I was up this morning at 3 o'clock changing my notes. Uh, the reason is because I'm more interested in a word that meets a need, that addresses a purpose. See, I think what you need and what I need, and, and thank God Pastor Noe is able to do that much more structured than I am. But I, I just, uh, I'm at the last, I'm kind of a last minute guy. I'm wanting to hear the Lord up to the very end of what's going on. And I don't mind changing my plans for the Holy Ghost. So, but I want to talk to you about cause and effect. Now, let me let me preface this by saying we live in a society where people don't like to take responsibility for their actions. One thing that you often hear in our society today is it's somebody else's fault. It was because my mama did this, or my mama didn't do this, or my daddy did this, or an uncle did this, or, or because I didn't have the right privilege, or I didn't have enough education. Whatever it is, people are reluctant in this society to say, 
it's my fault. I messed up. I'm responsible. Do you, you understand that? So I want to show you biblically this morning that, that there is a result to our actions. In other words, there is a consequence for what it is that we do and listen or don't do. See, much of us in Christendom have come to the place where we are neutral. I, I, just, I just read this week where because a person doesn't agree with either political position, they're just not going to vote. Do you understand that ain't right? That, 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 that is not a legitimate response. You, you can say, well, it's not my fault. I don't want to take responsibility. But the reality is, as an American citizen, you and I have a responsibility to vote. Now, I pray by this time that you're mature enough to understand you're not voting for a man. You're not even voting for a party. You're voting for a set of ideals and principles and so you have to look at that at that candidate and you have to say not how does he behave personally how do they react personally but what about their philosophies and ideologies that line up most clearly with the word of God and that's where you have to go to vote because there are no perfect presidents there are no perfect candidates that's out there, and it's just the way it is. So we're going to talk about a little bit of cause and effect, but we're going to get a little bit more personal than, uh, than the politics involved in this. So all right, is everybody ready? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Here's the question. First off, I want to ask you a question. If I told you this morning that I saw early when I arrived here a poisonous snake in the building. Now with that in mind, would you rather I say to you, I saw a poisonous snake in one of the buildings and it was in the worship center? Or would you rather tell me, I saw a poisonous snake, it was in the worship center, it was in the center section. Or would you rather me tell you, I saw a poisonous snake, it was in the worship center, in the center section, in the back row, underneath the third seat from the left. Or would you rather me tell you, was just a little bitty snake and you probably wouldn't die even if it did bite you. Or would you rather me tell you this? That all things are going to work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. So irregardless of whether you get bit or not, then it's going to be all right. Or would you rather tell me that, me tell you that 
or have somebody else tell you that, oh, Brother Jim doesn't know anything about snakes. I wouldn't pay any attention to him anyway. Are you falling my drift? I, I'm asking you, would you just rather me not say anything at all about that snake I saw? See, what I'm asking you is this. Are you, as a mature and maturing believer, ready to hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Or would you rather hear something that made you feel good? You see, the truth is feel-good gospel may make you feel good, but feel-good gospel may not get you to heaven. So I don't know about you, but I would heap rather hear the truth, the whole truth, the truth of the Word of God, the demands of the Word of God, the stipulations of the Word of God, the instructions of the Word of God, and be given an opportunity to protect myself and others from the potential danger. Are you following what I'm saying? But the truth is, not everyone wants to hear the truth. Timothy, the first and second Timothy in your Bible, is a, a letter to a young man named Timothy, written by his mentor, the Apostle Paul. And in the midst of that letter, he gives him some instructions. And this is what he says. He said, Timothy, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom. Now listen to what he says in verse 2. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Now listen to what he says. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. With great patience and instructions. So he says to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to confront the reality of life. I, I want you to talk about where the rubber meets the road. Notice in there, he did not in anywhere, not that it doesn't say in the Scripture, but Paul's admonition to Timothy said, I want you to preach the Word. I want you to rebuke the people, refute the people, and I want you to exhort the people. You see, the truth is, and you'll see this as we go through this message, that unless you understand and you readily and finally admit how awful sin is, you'll never appreciate what Christ did on the cross. If, if, if we continue to minimize the price that was paid to redeem us from the devil's hell, we'll never be able to appreciate the gift that's been given to us. In other words, if I make sin lesser than it is, then it makes heaven 
and the cross lesser than it is. That's a good place to say amen. Now understand that that there's a balance in the midst of this. But ladies and gentlemen, we need to be confronted with the reality of God's requirement on our life. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this. Let's look at this verse. Now, why, Timothy, do you need to preach that? Now, notice carefully what it says. For they will come, they being whoever, for the time will come, notice, when they, people, will not endure, what? Sound doctrine. But... Wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. In other words, they'll, some, they'll find somebody that will endorse their sin. They'll find somebody that will say it's okay to do that. They'll say somebody, they'll find somebody, and listen, you don't have to look very far to find churches where the, the, the Word of God is compromised in the name of the love of God. Now notice, in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. So what was Paul's answer to Timothy, the young preacher? Preach the Word. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, confront the issues. See, it's a misnomer to think that people have to leave church feeling good. People need to leave church feeling that God has met them where they are and given to them an opportunity to commit their lives over to Him and receive the grace and mercy that's there. But unless we understand, church, again, how awful our sin is, we'll always minimize the grace of God in the midst of that. Now look at this verse. Notice this, this is a little earlier. This is in 2 Timothy, his second letter. He said, but evil men and sorcerers will progress from bad to worse. Listen now, deceived and deceiving. Now, who is the deceived seeking to deceive? The ones that's not deceived. Either you are a part of one group or the other. You are either deceiving people by your ideology and your theology or, or somebody's looking to deceive you. Now notice what he says. They will lead people further from the truth. Now notice his advice. Yet you must continue to advance in strength, and I love this translation, with the troop wrapped around your heart, being assured by God, being assured by God, that he's the one who truly taught you all these things. 
See, it's so easy to find somebody to agree with your sin. But we don't need somebody to agree with our sin. We need somebody that'll say, hey, that's not right. That's not what the Bible teaches. That, that's not what's good for your life. That's not leading your kids rightly in the midst of that. So we get to my first point. Here's my point number one. Well, let's go, let's go back to where Pastor Noe was. Let's see if I can find that. Remember last week, Pastor Noe was talking about, about talents, and uh, he, was, he was talking about uh, the parables that were there and, and, and uh, talked about the parable of the talent, and you, you remember those, and, and the parable of the soils and, and, uh, in, in Matthew's gospel. And uh, let me just turn over there quickly. He was in, and in, in if, you know, let me say something else, church. You, you know, I love computers. I love cell phones. I love iPads. But let me tell you what happened in my life as a pastor. Years ago, before computers, before cell phones, before iPads, Every scripture that I read, I had to literally turn the pages of the Bible. Every translation I read, I literally had to have that translation before me. So in those days, I had three different translations of the Bible. I had the King James, the New American Standard, and, and, and one of the others, perhaps the Message or, or maybe the Living New Testament. And so when I was studying, preparing for a sermon, I physically would turn each one of those over to every verse that I was reading. I also had Haley's Handbook of the Bible and the Strong's Concordance. So when I would run a reference on a word in the King James Version to get a better understanding of it, I would literally have to go to my Strong's Concordance and turn the page and put my finger and read that. But lo and behold, thank God the computer came along. Now let me tell you, the one thing that I noticed, my level of retention went down probably 80%. What I remembered about what I had studied was way down here because I could have 30 translations open instantaneously. I could have dozens of commentaries. I could have Bible dictionaries. I could have Bible handbooks. And I'm simply saying all of that, don't neglect the Bible. You need a Bible. You need a flesh and blood, ink and paper Bible. Because there's something about that that puts it in you more so than reading it like Facebook. There's something about that. And that's not just because I'm old. That's just because I know that in the midst of that. So uh, just a little extra thing there that, that was given. Now, now remember the, the pastor was, was talking about parables. And, and there's a verse in this parable that I want us to dwell on. Look, look if you would, in, in Matthew 13, 
verse 12. Let me read it from my, from my scripture. He says, for whoever has, now listen to this because you're going to have to catch it. Whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. Can you say amen? But notice this second part of that, of that verse. But whoever does not have. So you got the haves and the have-nots. Are you following me so far? Now notice what happens to the one who has not. Even what he does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Now, now let, me, let me see if I can, are you seeing that? In other words, the one that has it increased. The one that doesn't have it, not only does he not increase, he backs up. Are you following that? This good Bible preaching. I, I know I'm causing you to think and you don't like to do that. You don't come to church to think, but yes, you do. You have to be a thinker. Now, what does it say? It says, for whoever has, to him shall more be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. So you're talking about Subtraction. Now, what I'm going to show you today is this. If you do not use what it is that God teaches you and shows you, you'll not only not enjoy the benefit of what He's shown you, you set yourself up to not receive the next time. I need to say it again because you're not getting it. When God speaks to us, to him who has, more shall be given. To him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now I'm challenging you. I'm talking about cause effects. Now, you got to go back. What is it that the one that increases has? And what is it the one who decreases does not have? Oh, I'm telling you, it's funny. Are you following me? This means yes. Are you understanding that if you have this, you increase? If you don't have this, you decrease. Are we, are we together thus far? Now back up a little bit to where Pastor Noe was teaching. And notice this. Look, look in 13.8. And some fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some thirty, and some, some sixty, and some thirty. 
He who hath ears, let him hear. If you don't use what God has given you, what God has shown you, utilize where God has put you, you'll not only lose what He wanted to give you in the abundance, you'll lose some of what you have already. You say, well, God wouldn't do that. You're right, God wouldn't do that. Now, this is a place I want to go to quickly before we get to where we're going. Pay attention, let me read. The disciples had come to Jesus and they said, Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? And he told them that I speak to them in parables because they're not yet able to understand the truth of what I'm saying. Now notice he goes on, verse 13, chapter 13, he says, Therefore I speak to them in parables because while seeing... They do not see, while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says. Now, if you read this casually, what you would surmise from it is it's God's fault they don't hear. You ever said, you know, the Word of God is just so complicated, I can't understand it. No, 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 no. There are things that are difficult to understand, but God did not make His Word and revelation to you where you could not understand it. Now notice what he says. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says you will keep on hearing but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. Now notice why they hear and don't hear and see and don't see. Please notice this. The next verse says, For the heart of this people has become dull. What has become dull? Not their mind, not their intellect. Their heart has become dull with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed, they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. So God simply says, if you have ears, hear. If you have eyes, see. But in your hearing and your seeing, you better follow through with what I've shown you and what I've said to you if you want to walk in an abundance, if you want to continue to increase in your learning. Because if you hear and do not heed, then not only do you not have the benefit of what I have told you, you begin to back up. Now study it out, church. I know you're looking at me like, oh, I don't know if I believe this or not. 
What am I trying to do? I'm trying to simply challenge us this morning that in the kingdom of God there is no neutral on the shift lever. You just can't sit still in the kingdom. You just can't whatever in the kingdom. When God speaks to us, when God gives revelation to us, when we read the Word and it speaks to us, we are now responsible to obey the Word. Not doing that positions us not only to not advance, but to back up. And I don't know about you, I don't like backing up. Now, you know, I'm going to be real honest with you. Let me get over to point one, just see where we can go with this. Let me clarify something about where he talks about in 14 about the prophecy. See, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah. The prophecy of Isaiah, listen to me, a prophecy, look at this next screen. A prophecy is not a cause that makes something happen. It's rather a revealing of information. In other words, Isaiah did not prophesy that they could not hear. Isaiah did not prophesy they could not see, and that's why they couldn't see and hear. He said it's going to be this way. Isaiah, 630 years before Christ was even born, he said in his book, there's coming a time when people will no longer heed what they see, obey what they hear. Not because God has so prophesied it to be, but rather because the prophecy has been fulfilled in their life. In other words, it has now come to pass what Isaiah said was going to come to pass. That's what a prophecy is in the midst of that. Now let's... Here's my first point. There is no neutral position where our relationship with God is concerned. We are moving forward or we are backing up. We are gaining ground or we are losing ground. Now only you can determine that. Now, I know, I'm sorry, church. No, I'm not sorry. I know what you want to hear is it's all right. God loves me. Jesus died for me. I'm going to leave here one day and go to heaven. But I'm saying to you that if you want to walk in all God has for you, you must be diligent to obey what he has said to you. That's your responsibility. You, you can't blame it on somebody else. Now, I want to take you quickly so we don't go too long. <laughs> I want to take you over to point two, which says most believers back up not because of big sins committed, but simply of simple neglect of not doing the right thing. In other words, I doubt very seriously any one of us are going to leave here today and run by a speedy stop and hold it up. Fact of business, probably most of us in this room, if we went to speedy stop and, and gave them a $20 bill for a $2 item and they gave us back $22, we would probably say, oh, no, 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 you gave me too much change. I understand that. 
And most of us don't stumble over sins committed. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a difference in a sin that you commit, you do something, and, and just a ignore it. In other words, if has God convicted you of something in your life that you need to be doing? And you don't? That's a sin. That is a refusal to obey God's instruction. Has the Word of God convicted you about something? Something you're doing, something you're not doing. That's disobedience. Now, according to what Jesus said, if He speaks to me and I fail to obey that, then I'm positioning myself where I will not hear him the next time. See, somehow we, we have this concept of God, and it is one side of God. But understand this. God is not only a God of love. God is a God of wrath. There's not only a heaven, there is a hell. There's a hell to shun, and there's a heaven to gain. Not, not, not only... Is there a life of abundance in this life? There's also a life of torment in this life. And what we do with what we hear and what we see governs the life that we live. Now that's taking responsibility, church. That, that's saying, hey... I messed up. God, forgive me. I'm sorry for that. I repent of that sin. And the grace of God and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God and all those great attributes of God comes to play in your life. And the blood of Jesus washes you from all of your sins and, and you're cleansed from all unrighteousness. And, and there's absolutely nothing that he remembers about that. But if we just pass it off. We begin to back up. Now I don't, I don't, I've been at this a while church. I'd love to tell you today that everybody that I have ever led to Jesus is living a victorious Christian life. I would love to tell you that every marriage ceremony I performed is living in marital bliss. I, I would love to tell you that every person I ever baptized over there in that baptismal pool and, and everywhere else I've ever baptized, I, I'd love to tell you that they're going on full bore with God. But that's not so. I don't want to see you backing up. I, I don't want to come 20 years later and say, you know, whatever happened to old... Well, you know, he and his wife got a divorce, and, and God, it was the messiest thing you ever saw, and they was drugged through all the papers, and, and oh, I had so much hope for them. What, what about, uh, you, you see, church, please understand this. 
you as a believer have a personal responsibility to obey God. It's not it's not a choice. It's not it's not, well, no, God, I don't want to do that, but I'll do this. Or I don't want to take care of that. Or I don't want to deal with this. I'll deal with that. Now, let's hurry over to Romans chapter 1. Most believers do not back up because of big sins committed, but because of simple neglect of not doing things right. Can I read this definition of cause and effect? In essence, let's see if I have it on the big screen. In essence, cause is the thing that makes other things happen. Effect refers to what results. To put it concisely, cause is the why something happens, and effect is the what happens. If you're asking yourself, why did God allow this to happen which is a common question among believers and unbelievers then you need to suck it up and be man or woman enough to say perhaps God was it me Did, was there something I should have done or something I didn't do or, or something not, not so much that you see it's not the sins that we commit that are tripping us up, church, it's, it's the undone things. To him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. See, see you, you see this in our world, church. You see this, it's, it's um, let's go back to the 40s. It, if in the 40s you were getting a divorce... It was more hushed than broadcast. If you were a high school girl and you got pregnant in the 50s or even in the 60s, it was not celebrated. Why? Because those acts were against the moral fiber that was established in our society. Now, understand, our actions don't affect how God loves us. Understand that. I'm not talking about God loves you less or God loves me less because of things I do. His love for me is steadfast. His love for me is everlasting. It doesn't matter if I'm, I'm Charles Manson or a mass murderer or, or who it is or, or if I'm Mother Teresa. God's love for me is all the same. God loves you. You need to settle that God loves you, irregardless of your response. But you see, how you respond to God's love determines the benefit you receive. You, you understand that? It, it's not that God's mad at you because you have sinned. God's broken hearted over our sin. God's broken hearted over our rebellion. He loves us. He desires the very best for us. And so that's the reason he says that obey what I told you and you can walk in abundance. Hear what I say. 
Jesus said, I want people to hear what I say and I can bless them as they walk in obedience. But when I walk in disobedience, I set myself up not only to cheat myself out of the abundance, but cheat myself out of the potential that might be in my life. What's the process? How do we get there? What happens? How come people used to be red on hot on fire for Jesus and are now Luke or Cole? How does, how, does how does a popular recording artist suddenly determine that he doesn't any longer want to be a Christian? How, how, how does a, a fellow who writes a I, I Kiss Dating Goodbye book uh, determine he's not even a Christian anymore? Do, do, you, do you just wake up some morning and, and say, well, you know, yesterday I was a believer, today I'm not a believer? No, no, there's a process involved in that. I want to quickly show you that out of the book of Romans. Flip over to the book of Romans, and let's see if I've got it. The scriptures are in lowercase my comments are in uppercase hopefully throughout verse 16 of Romans chapter 1 now what happens if you go in to read chapter 1 of the book of Romans what you're going to see is a digression of life, of morality, you're going to see a process by which the cause brings an effect. I'm going to rush through this, so you'll have to go back perhaps and study it yourself. Notice the Apostle Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. I believe the first step in backing up is we become ashamed of the gospel. What do I mean, ashamed of the gospel? Paul said, undoubtedly it must have been a problem because Paul said, I'm not. Understand the book of Romans is the most theological book in your Bible. There's more of a revelation in there than than you and I can even comprehend. So what does it mean to be ashamed of the gospel? What is the gospel? What is the gospel? Is that all it is? So what does this good news involve? Say again. Pathway to heaven. Now now think with me just for a minute. Here it is. Holy life. Holy life. Rejection. 
punishment, crucifixion, shedding of blood, resurrection, ascension to heaven. Now the reason the gospel is offensive and the word says the gospel will be offensive to those that don't believe. Do you know that in this United States there are churches where you are forbidden by leadership to mention the blood of Jesus? Too gory? Too real? Do you know it's not unusual for an evangelist, that, a traveling evangelist that goes to many churches to be instructed by the pastor and the leadership of the church? not to mention anything that would cause anyone in that church any distress. Church, thank God we're not there. Thank God we're not there. But I'm saying to you that if we're not diligent, if we're not vigilant, that that kind of thinking can creep in and begin to infect our own lives. I was talking with a pastor recently about the COVID-19. Since they have begun to meet as a church, he said our average attendance is 15 out of a normal 100 and so. Hello? What does the Bible say? Does it not say forsake not the assembling of ourselves together? Notice, as is the habit of some, even more so as you see the day drawing near. God never intended for our Christianity to be passive. He intended for it to be aggressive. We got to hurry. All right. We become ashamed of the gospel. We lose sight of the power of the gospel and the wonder of our salvation. How many in here understand this? That getting saved did not just make you a better person. It resurrected you. Do you understand clearly the Bible says your sins, that you were dead in your sins and trespasses? You wasn't a bad person. You didn't do bad things. You was dead. D-E-A-D. -E With no hope, the Bible says. But God, rich in His mercy, caused His grace to work in our life and we have been gloriously, positively born again. We are now on our way to heaven. We now have the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. We are now more than a conqueror because of the gospel. <laughs> Why? Why, church? Why? Why would we lose sight of that? Why is it not the most important thing in our life that people be born again? Because we have been loved we don't want to be offensive. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. 
We don't want to suggest to anybody that there is a hell. No, 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 church. The church is alive and triumphant. The gospel says that I was once dead, but now I'm alive. And I don't know about you, but most people who have been in near-death experiences appreciate life after the fact. You ought to be loving your life. You ought to treasure the fact that you're alive. You ought to be on top because of it, because of the greatness of the gospel. But you see what happens when we, when we lessen the gospel and, and we're not willing to notice what happens, we fail to continue to believe. Do you know in, in, my, uh, in my years of, of pastoring, I have watched this book attacked on every hand to, to where at this point the average person does not believe that this is the inerrant, inspired Word of God. There's always a yow but on the end of that. No, 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 no. It's not whether you understand it or whether I understand it, whether you like it or I like it. The fact is, is God has reserved this book through eons of time, and he's brought it to us today so that we might know him and know him better. That's what it's there for. But you see, if we don't use it, if we don't apply it, then we position ourselves to back up. So, so, so we, began, we, we, we began to see all kinds of things <coughs> come out of the church that don't need to come out of the church. Now let's rush through these, okay? Verse, 16, uh, verse 17 says, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. We compromise a lifestyle of faith in God and His Word. Let me ask you this. What's your first reaction when you get sick? What's your f how, how often have you called up Pastor and, and said to him, Pastor, my little junior is sick. Would, would you and the elders come over to the house and anoint him with oil and pray the prayer of faith? Is that not what the Bible says? But see, if we don't know what the Bible says, then we don't know whether or not we're having it or not having it. We don't know whether we got it or losing it. See, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the doctors. Absolutely not. Thank God for the doctors. Thank God for medicine. But I'm saying our first manner of, of, of defense against sickness, disease, infirmity, and poverty ought to be God. Well, that's kind of radical, Brother Jim. My goodness, you know, God gave us all these things and we ought to take it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You only you can answer the question. Here's verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. We begin to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. We make it all right. Do you know I was in a church, and because I'm a teetotaler, that means I don't drink, I don't wine bib, I don't take a little drink at Christmas, I don't drink nothing, no time, anytime, anywhere for anybody. Don't do it. 
Now you say, Brother Jim, isn't that a little bit radical? Read the book. The book says, he that drinks wine is not wise. Now, I didn't say that. Well, you know, Brother Jim, the Bible says take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Okay. But you see, drinking, especially wine drinking in the church, has become rampant. I bet you there's some of you in here that drink wine. Think it's acceptable. You know, my, here, here's my position. Why? Let me ask you this. Why would you want to subsidize an industry that has brought more pain, death, and suffering on this earth than perhaps any other thing? Why would you, why as a believer, why would you want to even associate with that? Well, Brother Jim, my gosh, you're getting awful narrow here. You're, no, no, I'm just telling you, he who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Because he who hath an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the church will live life in abundance. But he who does not hear what the Spirit says to the church will in fact lose what they do have. Now, I didn't say that. The Bible did. I don't know about you, but bless God, I want to walk in all the abundance I can. I want all the money I can get. I want all the health I can get. I want all the prosperity I can get. I want all the souls I can get. I want all the happiness I can get. I want all the joy I can get. I want everything at all. I want the whole enchilada. And you know the Bible says that Jesus came to give me life and life abundantly and absolutely. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Even that more abundant. Now, you know the first thing that I ask myself when adversity comes to my house? I blame it on Pastor Noe. If he had been a better pastor and taught me more, I wouldn't be in this predicament. Or it's my dear old mother, bless God. If she had reverenced and respected my daddy like she should have, I'd have been a better child. Or maybe I blame it on society. You know, it's, it's them school teachers and it's them politicians. And No, I'll tell you what, when adversity comes to my house, the first thing I look at is the man in the mirror. Absolutely the truth, ladies and gentlemen. I say, God, what did you tell me that I didn't get? What did you tell me that I didn't do? What did you show me? What have I seen that I didn't do? What's going on here? Where, where have I let my guard down? Where have I backed up? If I had it and lost it, then, then I know I need to give some attention to it. Now, thank God for forgiveness. Thank God that there's restoration. We need to look. All right, we need to hurry. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident. We ignore the evidence that is within all mankind. I want you to say this. There's no such thing as an atheist. 
there is such a thing as an unbeliever. An atheist says, I don't know, I don't believe there is a God. Well, you know what he just did? He contracted the, he contradicted the very nature within him. In other words, something inside of us has to die to become an atheist. Something that God put in you when you were born has to be squelched and covered up to say there is not a God. Because God said in His Word, He made it evident to men. In other words, if you don't believe that there is a God, you got it somewhere because God didn't give it to you. If you believe sin is all right, you got your okay somewhere, but you didn't get it from God. I'm not saying you didn't get an okay. I'm just saying you didn't get it from God in the midst of that. God is. Look at this next one. For since the creation of the world, His invincible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what was made so that they are without excuse. Who is they? Every one of us. We ignore the evidence that is in all creation. God is. His, his attributes, His power, and His divine nature. Can you imagine the astrologer and the astronomer on a clear night in the mountains where there's no pollution? And they look up at the sky and they see that that star was in that position last night. And it was in that position two years ago. And it was in that position ten years ago. And they look around at the beauty. And they see the glory. And they surmise, wasn't the Big Bang awesome? No. It's their explanation of how it got there. Because the Bible says that God said, let there be light, and there was light. See, I double-dog dare you. Take your Bible, read it without prejudice, and you'll come away with a concept of who God is. Awesome, awesome, quickly. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give Him thanks. We fail to honor God and we fail to be thankful. We live in the most unthankful society that I've ever lived in. Everybody is entitled. Everybody is entitled to free medicine. Everybody is entitled to free education. Everybody's in. Since when? My Bible says that God said the hands that don't work, don't let them eat. But Brother Jim, I'm just telling you what the Word said, church. Now, I know this is not all that pleasant, but I'm just saying I don't want you to back up. I want you to, because you have... I want you to have the abundance. I want you to walk in the midst of that. Let's go to the next one. 
Professing to be wise, they became fools. God said that. Do you know we have more educated people in the world today than we've ever had? You know the thing, when I was in high school, the thing that we were taught, you got to go to college if you're ever going to succeed. You know what they're saying now? Become a plumber, electrician. They're making more money than the professors. Do something with yourself. You see, we have made education our God. Maybe second only to soccer on Sundays. I, I don't know. The, you know. Education is important. Thank God for education. But education that replaces the person of Jesus Christ and the Father God is not an education. It is a damnation. And we need to understand that. Do you know homeschooling is at an all-time high? Not because of COVID-19, but because of the things that are being taught to our children. Gosh, goodness gracious, guys. Self-inflated, worldly. You know something that amazes me? I don't know if it amazes you. <clears throat> Isn't it amazing that some people, some actors and actresses and some athletes think it's important what they say? I saw something on the news the other day that said, I don't watch the news anymore on TV. I, I read the headlines on my Fox News. But the, uh, you know, the celebrities cast their opinions about Trump's and, and Biden's uh, debate. I don't care. I mean, I want to watch you in a Western movie, shoot two or three bad guys. I don't care what you think about politics because you don't know zip about where I am. And why in the world would 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 why in the world would I want some athlete that that's living like the devil won't I don't care what he thinks about Trump or Biden or anybody else. But somehow we've got we listen to those people and and my soul the newscasters they're worse than the athletes. It's like their opinion matters. Listen, I'm old enough to remember when they reported the news. Not the opinion. And if you are smart enough to understand this, you're getting a lot of opinion, not much news. Used to, they'd say, this is what happened. You made up your mind. Now they say, make up, this is what I want you to think because this is what happened. We got to, I got to get out of this. All right. All right, I've been talking about the cause. These are causes. Now, now here's the effect. Notice in this next verse. Therefore, God gave them over. Holy mackerel. God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. God gave them over. He released them to their desires. They become lust-driven even their bodies were dishonored and lives cheapened. What's the danger, Brother Jim? The danger is that what we have is going to be taken away if we don't do something with what we have. 
To simply set neutral is to allow the enemy to have the inroads and to take away. It's come the time in the church where we must do what God said God's way. Here's the last verse. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creator rather than the rather serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Traded truth for a lie, worshiped the creature and the creator rather than the creature and the creation more than the creator. Church, read the red, do what it said. Find out what God's saying to you personally and do it. God's not asking something of you that's hard. God's not asking something of you that, that's going to destroy your life. God's asking something of you that's going to enhance your life. God's not saying, young people, don't do this. Don't live that way because he's trying to cheat you out of something. He's trying to get something to you. He's trying to bring something into your life. He's not trying to take something from you. See, the world's taught you that, well, if you're a Christian and you live for Jesus, well, you're not going to have any fun. Baloney, I've had more fun in my life than you can imagine. I'm just telling you, church, God's way is the better way to do it. And when he speaks to us, let's obey him. Let's do it in the midst of that. A couple of verses out of Proverbs, but I want to give you four things before we go. Guard yourself. Take personal responsibility. Guard yourself. Take personal responsibility, too. Pay attention to little things, not little people. Three, be, delight, be diligent, steadfast, and fully persuaded, and rehearse the word. Stay in faith and stay in church. Without an apology, I say to you today, the major influence in my life has been the local church. above all else. All the great preachers I've ever heard, all the great conferences I've ever been to, all the scripture I've ever read, the reality is, is that the people, the church of the New Testament of Jesus Christ has done more to conform me to the image of Christ than any single thing in my life because there's been people in the church that was willing to confront me when I needed to be confronted. They were willing to rebuke me when I needed rebuking. They were willing to exhort me when I needed exhorting. They were willing to comfort me when I needed comfort. And when God says, get away from the church, you need to recognize that it's to your destruction. Run to the church. Run to the Word. Run to the Lord, not away from Him. And when he speaks to you, when you're reading his word and he says something, say, yes, Lord. You see, God's placed a calling upon some of your lives. He's placed a calling on all of our lives, but some of you in a special way. Do it. I guess for 10 years after I began preaching ministry, Sharon's daddy used to ask me nearly every time we would see him, Jim, you still preaching? I'd say, yes, sir. He said, when are you going to get a real job? But thank God my not real job 
the gospel that was being preached finally penetrated his heart and he gave his life to Jesus. I'm going to tell you today, what you need is Jesus. What you're looking for is Jesus. What you need to be a part of is the local church. What you need to guide you is the Word of God. And to do that, you can have an abundance. Not to do it, not so much. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to do something before we leave. I'm just going to ask you to, to say this with me. Lord God, say it out loud. Lord God, I know you say, well, he's going to get me to say something I don't want to say. That'd be all right. Somebody needs to get you to say something you didn't want to say. All right, here it is. Lord God, when I hear, I want to be quick to obey. When I see, I want to be quick to do. I want to do whatever it takes when I can walk in abundance, receive from you, be a blessing, and spend eternity with you. Now let me ask you a question. Are you confident today that if you left this room and you moved out into eternity, are you confident that you would go to heaven? You can be if you heard, saw, received the gospel. I turned 78 years old a few days ago. Do you know, chances are, I'm pretty close to dying. <laughs> I haven't got no diagnosis yet. I'm just talking. What am I saying? I'm, I'm closer to, to, to dying than I was to being birthed. And I'm just saying to you with the sincerity of my heart, church, if you don't know Jesus, find him today. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's not, out, he's not to treat you out of nothing. He's, he's trying to say, come unto me, all ye that labor, and I'll give you rest. He's trying to say, listen, Let's break that, that, that curse off of your life. Let's, let's break that, that chain of, 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 of addictions out of your family. Be a curse breaker today. I want to make you the one that makes a difference in the home. And in doing that, your life gets to be blessed. I want that for you. Something about old people, we read the obituaries. I never read the obituaries in my life until I was about 75. And I, and I have it on one of my, uh, what do you call it, on my computer, one of those where I can click on it and it goes to Taylor Brothers Funeral Home so I can see who died this week. Why? Because it's closer to me than it's ever been. But I want you to know, church, that if you don't know Jesus, he wants to meet you right where you are. And he's not going to shame you. He's not going to embarrass you. He's going to say to you, child, I love you. Thank you for allowing me to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. 
But you see, the thing about it is I don't know whether or not you know him, and, and I don't have any way to know whether you know him. Only you know that. But I'd like to pray with you and, and help you to know him. Because it's not only a song. It's nothing better than you. We sang about it. I shouted about it because I found that it's nothing better than him. Father, in this place today, many faces, many places. But I pray today, Father, that those of us who do know you, that we will do what you have instructed us to do. And Father, that if I perhaps there's someone here that doesn't know you. I pray today that today would be a day of salvation. That today they would simply say, I believe, not that I understand, but I believe that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. My sins are forgiven. Father, receive them into our family. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, I want to talk to you after the service. I want you to come down here and, and spend a few minutes and, and talk with me. Say, Brother Jim, how can I make sure? How can I know for sure? Would you do that? Father, now we go from this place blessed because you have blessed us. We go from this place delivered because you have delivered us. We go from this place prosperous because you have prospered us. We go from this place in health because you have healed us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Lord bless you. Find your way. Greet two or three folks. Tell them, hey, so glad to have you. Pastor will be back. They'll be back in this afternoon. We'll look forward to seeing them this week. Sharon and I are going to be gone most of next month, and so uh, we'll be in and out to see you when we're here. Lord bless you. Have a great time. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.